Testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing. All right, I think we're on. Okay, well, welcome, Rusty and David, to the podcast. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, David, we've had you on before. Yes. Um, I don't need these since we don't all have them. Um, Rusty, I don't think we've ever had you on the podcast. First time. First time, okay, good. Well, I'm excited. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to do more things on the podcast where we bring you know business folks in. Um, I think we've got a large audience who want to know more about business and getting in, into business, getting into entrepreneurship potentially, um, but just understanding that side of the world um, because we we focus a lot with young adults and I think they're trying to navigate what that next chapter of their life is and figure out if, you know, is business something they want to get into? What does that even look like? What's the realities of um, that next chapter of life? Did the camera die? Frick. Hey, sorry about that, folks. Um, I don't know where we were left off, but I think we were saying something about our audience is uh, a lot of young adults or, yeah, young adults, probably the best way to say it, who are eager to look into kind of what the next chapter of life is and what does the business world bring? What, you know, even beyond, you know, whether that's starting your own business or just getting into businesses or, or, or something like that. Um, and I think there's a lot of things in the college system and education that just we don't learn about a lot of those um, details that people who are in it have the experience to share. So um, real quickly, before we even get into anything, I'd love for you guys to share what what is your business? What do you do? Um, you guys have a small company or it's not a small company, but a company called Decipher and uh, startup. It's been going for a while. So I'd love to hear about what is it? What do you do? What do you focus on? And that'll give us some great questions to go off from there. <laughs> you want me to take the lead on that one? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. You're, you're a founder, right? <laughs> um, so we represent a company called Decipher. Mm-hmm. It's a SaaS software product that really focuses on helping retain institutional knowledge within organizations. So when they have turnover, things of that nature, um, a lot of times when people leave, a lot of their skill set and a lot of their knowledge that they bring to the table goes with them. And so we have a tool that helps to help organizations retain that information. We also help them optimize their the day-to-day operations, whether that's compliance and workflow things or policy and procedure programs. And then the last thing we do is we bring that all together through management uh, scoreboards that uh, allow transparency so that you can really drive efficiencies and profitability with the organization. So, David, how would you add to that? Well, that's good. I think the legacy of the company started in the healthcare space. Um, And then it transitioned into cybersecurity, which it – Compliance and cybersecurity compliance, which was an interesting evolution, and from there, it's I think it's broadened in, into businesses just in general, which mm-hmm. is really good. But focusing on specific industries like um, oil, gas, and mining, still some in healthcare, quite a bit in the education and nonprofit spaces, which is pretty cool. Interesting. And what, like, why? I think every business, right, usually you see a problem and then you go, I can fix that, right? That's what typically leads to, at least from my understanding of it. So what what kind of brought about this software solution product that you guys guys have kind of developed? And obviously it sounds like you've 
adapted and changed it to fit the needs of different businesses over time. But what what led to that kind of aha, this is what we're going to work on moment? I would say it's more of an evolution. Okay. That you didn't – that it kind of naturally gravitated that way. So part of it is feedback from your customers saying – yeah, those features are nice. We want it to do this. Can it do this for us? Right. And so we would work a little bit on that. Or customers would ask, that this these things are great, but my business is struggling with this instead. So COVID is a great example that Rusty shares a lot. Mm-hmm. We came into the marketplace right about the same time COVID really hit. And we had a solution to compliance and task-driven compliance kind of items but people said, hey, I, I can't even get to my compliance because I can't stay open without meeting regulatory requirements from my state or county or whatever. Can you help me with that? Right. So we helped with some school systems and other businesses to do checklists to stay open. Right, so right. The solution was there. It was just kind of a pivoting away from what we thought they wanted and and actually during the dialogue with the customers, having them tell us, no, this is what we need first. Mm, okay, I see. Hey, real quick. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Say Just say a couple things in there. We'll cut it out. But Oh, test, test, yeah, one, two. Perfect. Now it's picking you up real good. Okay. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, I, I mean, and watching your customers, observing your customers, I mean, that obviously plays a key role. Is that, has that really been kind of the evolution? Or what was the – and I know – Russ, you're the founder of Decipher, right? Um, what, like, why, why Decipher? What, what spurred the creation of the company? Yeah, well, that's a great question because I spent a lot of my career in the, in the healthcare sector, and there is a lot of regulatory compliance in healthcare. Um, when you talk about HIPAA and the other things that happen there, there's there's just a lot of a lot of compliance related things, and so I was working on the technology side, and I saw that there was really a demand for, hey, how do we how do we comply but not make it so burdensome? And just it was just really difficult to comply and it was expensive. And so we began working on a variety of tools just to help bring efficiency to that process. It's also an area where we worked with a lot of clients where, you know, if you're in a big enterprise, you have the resources that you can invest in people that that's just their focus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am the compliance expert. I'm the compliance officer. But you get into some of the smaller organizations and the truth is, is that, you know, you're wearing multiple hats. And so um, being able to, to get dedicate someone to stay up on compliance related things in healthcare was just very difficult. And so that's where it started with. And then, of course, it was an era where, and we still have this today, where there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, security breaches on the technology side. And so a lot of that, we focused a lot on information security compliance and right. the things that are required. They're not just in, in healthcare, but a lot of, you know, there's a lot of state regulations and federal regulations for that matter in, in that arena. And so that's was kind of where we started from and the, and the product began to evolve as we as we developed that when we first launched we had a real real tight emphasis just on information security but again as david was saying that was right at the time when um when covid hit and businesses were just focused on how do i keep my doors open how do i continue to do business with this new pandemic that's you know i often call it was kind of this elephant that came and sat right down in the middle of the road that everybody was doing business on 
And so we took a step back and said, how can we help our customers in that, in that arena? And again, because our tool was focused on compliance, it didn't matter what the compliance was. It was just, you know, tell us what you're trying to achieve, what the efficiencies need to be there um, so that, you know, people can go about their business and be safe. And that was really when we, we actually uh, branched out into education at that point and worked with schools that were trying to communicate information to parents, find out how healthy the kids were before they arrived at school, all those types of things, needing to know could they be in-person learning, did it need to be a hybrid or a remote uh, option for them. And so that's where we really kind of um, cut our teeth, so to speak, with the software, was just in dealing with pandemic-related issues. And that's where we really discovered that the software had this tremendous um, breadth of ability to it. Um, I could do everything from something that's highly regulated, and it just could be some um, program that an organization has that says, hey, I want efficiency to make sure that we're delivering a certain level of customer service, for example. And so that's 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 how we evolved and have helped a lot of organizations then just meet whatever their demands are in, in helping drive their business forward and make it more efficient. Mm-hmm. So is the tool more of a customized software or is it is it kind of a – I mean, there's a lot of software, right, SaaS platforms or software tools out there where you just go online, purchase it, and then you implement. Is this something that's more, you know – I just buy it off the shelf, or is it something that's customized to the user and specific to the business? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question too. So the foundation and the structure of the program doesn't change with whatever process or program that you're putting through that. But what's unique about it is I can take my specific requirements and I can plug that in there in a way so that it uh, identifies who's responsible to do specific things, when they're responsible to do that, and then tracking that through to completion. And then we've wrapped it with this education module um, that allows them to what we call task-specific training. So when it's time for me to accomplish something, whether I've got years of experience in that or if it's just just I'm brand new to the job, I can actually watch video and text-based information on that specific task that I need to accomplish to see how exactly do I do that. And that serves two purposes. One, it frees up uh, management or top performers so that they don't have to be there with everybody that's new. It also ensures that we have consistency in delivery every time that that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, you know, if it's something I'm doing every day, I might get pretty proficient at that. But what about those tasks that are still required, but I'm doing them maybe it's once a month or once every six months or some things or even once a year. When you get into the compliance space, that's very typical. And so this system has the ability to Captured. Hey, this is exactly how we accomplish that to ensure the quality, and then it makes it very efficient because it reminds the person when it's time to have it done, and then it records it, and management has transparency of that all the way through. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One of the interesting parts of our journey was trying to describe to other people, so what is it you do? And we struggled with that <laughs> for a long time, and yeah. so we came out with – Oh, well, this is our vision statement, or these are the words that describe us, or these, this is our approach, or this is what we are. And we talk to other people in the industry and other customers, and we're like, well, yeah, we do that too. Well, yeah, we do that too. No, we're not quite that. So that's been an interesting part of this journey is what is it you do? What do you have? And at one point we realized, like Rusty was saying, it's it's not content locked. It's not a buy and forget. It's not a one-time transaction. It's so dynamic, this platform that we have, 
that we've been able to use it to address problems in multiple industries and solutions. Hey, we can solve this for you. Here's how we do it. But it's not it's not turn it's turnkey in the sense that it's ready for your expertise and your content from an enterprise perspective to get it to your people. Hmm. Um, so I don't know that I've finished our I don't know that we finished our journey, although we've yeah. we've developed some foundational pillars that we use to describe what we do and how we address things. Um, institutional knowledge is probably one of those good things. You know, we're we're here with education. We're not strictly an LMS, but our software has that element also that right. helps you deliver training and keep top of mind awareness, but keep the, maintain that institutional awareness. But it also is there to help you keep track of things. So was, my other thought was compliance is not really sexy, not really. It's kind of one of the last things companies really want to do. They don't want to get in trouble with regulators. They don't want to get busted for not doing something that the law requires. So that there's this kind of have to. Right. But there's all these other things that you can also do that are preventative that, that we also address. So. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing that I I was just – as you guys have you, – you stayed – said a few words. Sorry. Said a few words that stuck out to me, which was um, – adaptable and consistent and it almost seems like the tool that you're using or you've created is is almost not even attacking or helping solve business problems but they're helping solve business principles right like they're helping businesses um, with being adaptable right helping them adapt and helping them stay consistent which are both important principles not only for we talk a lot about those principles it seems like on with other guests on the show, um, but how important are being adaptable and consistent in a business? How how important are those um, from your guys' perspective? Just keep just pull a little more general. Competition's pretty fierce, so if you're not adapting, depending on the industry you're in, you could be in trouble pretty quick. So, but kind of where we're, I don't know how to say. It. I think it comes back to institutional knowledge a little bit more than adaptability because if mm. whatever you do as a business, if you're not doing that well, you're not going to stay in business. Sure. So there's kind of this how do I do day-to-day operations, which has to be consistent and I have to do it. So our software is awesome for that. In terms of what's changing in the marketplace and how do I stay competitive, you know, that's what your leadership's about. And then they feed that down to your employees so everybody stays abreast. So a couple things I would tell you on that. You know, I remember visiting with – this was a large client. They were a um, large enterprise, several thousand employees, um, hundreds of stores. One of the things that was most interesting in visiting with their – what I'll call their kind of the line staff, the ones that, you know, make sure things happen day to day. Sure. Um, and they said, you know, one of the biggest well, – I remember this one person in particular said to me, they said, one of the biggest challenges that I have is that – when the managers in the store, they expect me to do things one way. When the assistant manager's there, they expect it to be done another way. And so I'm constantly basically feeling like I haven't done it the right way because there's this, there's this confusion, um, in, in, in what's, what the deliverable really is. And so when we talk about, um, what decipher, the power of decipher is, you know, engaging your workforce 
and being able to bring employees in and get them engaged in what it is you're trying to accomplish as a business, what that mission is. That's one of the hardest things that um, you'll have to do is to teach and to train and to inspire and empower them to help you accomplish your mission. And without that, um, a lot of businesses just simply will struggle. And I think we've all been where we've had interactions with employees where there's great engagement and times when we go, wow, that wasn't the greatest experience that I've had. And so that's one of the, to me, one of the real keys that Decipher brings to the table for an organization. We talk about institutional knowledge. You know, the vast majority of employees, if you would ask them, say they have little, if any, training in when, they, when they're brought into their business. You know, I spend a little bit of time with someone, and then I'm just expected to kind of figure it out. Mm. And, um, again, that's what leads to these types of things that I just referenced, you know, where, well, one guy expects me to do it one way, another guy expects another. But in the end, I don't have consistency. I can't be adaptable because I don't really know. And so then uh, from an employee standpoint, I kind of disengage. And that's one of the worst things that can happen in business is when your employees to be there and not be engaged in what you're doing. Right. <laughs> that's almost as I would say that's as, as bad as just you know not having employees to help you do the work. Mm. And so that's where Decipher's um, empower tool, the, the learning management system, the modular learning, um, allows an employee to come in. And again, when I'm doing my day to day routines, I have that training right there helping to bring me up to speed so that I can gain that institutional knowledge that's so important. Mm. Um, and then I've also am given a tool. You know, the other part of it is if you talk to um, employees, they will tell you, I have far more given to me to do than I have time to do. And I don't have the resources. How am I supposed to sit through a week's worth of orientation and remember um, everything that's like drinking from a fire hose? And then I get out onto the floor where I'm supposed to be doing the work and I'm expected to remember all these things. And I'm, and I'm engaged on my performance based on how well I remember. And so our optimized portion of our tool, that, that pillar in the software, really brings back, you know, it tells me, what I need to do, when I need to do it, and then how I need to do that. So I get that quality and consistency. So again, it's a resource that's put directly into the hands of the employee so that they can they can perform at the level that management wants them to. Mm. And then the last part, when we talk about the decipher manage component of it um, or the envision, that's really just allowing all these activities that are happening. And when you think about the tasks that, you know, as, an, as one employee performs throughout a day, I mean, there, there can be thousands of things that are happening. And so, and then you times that by the number of employees, the number of locations. Again, what the Envision portion of the product does is brings all that information together to show, hey, these things are consistently happening. These things aren't. So management then can say, okay, what can we do to help in these particular areas? It finds those gaps. And so, that they, again, they can raise the bar. And it comes back to that competitive nature that you talk about, David, that you know, business is very competitive. Um, if you're not taking care of your customer, I guarantee you there is somebody else that's looking to do that. And so you want to protect the hard work you've done in acquiring those customers and your employees are the key to making that happen. So I don't know if that helps answer kind of some clarity to the tool itself. No, it definitely does. And I think well, you, you used a term, you said modular learning. What 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 does that mean exactly? I don't yeah. know if I've heard that term a bunch. Um, real quick, hey Cal, um, can how's the video going? Because 
my phone sometimes shuts off, so just keep an eye on that. Yeah, so so let me let me talk about modular learning by first talking about a learning management system, traditional learning when we think yeah. about it. I mean, historically, when we think about training, you know, we would all go and sit in a big orientation in classroom, and it was classroom knowledge, you know, and right. and we would quite honestly retain about ten percent of what was given there. Really? That's kind of the history of what's happened, and then we've moved more to learning management systems, where again, I'm going on and I'm watching on a computer screen, you know, being taught certain things. I may be taking quizzes to see that I'm retaining that what information. Might be, what might be some places you'd see, like, like just. What what uses learning management systems? Sure, I, I, lots of places. Yeah, lo- lots of large organizations all have okay. have learning management systems, and it's just a place where they place all of their training materials by department. And then I've got this scheduled training. Um, compliance is um, rife with that. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, I've got to take a certain number of compliance training courses throughout the year just to comply with regulation, things of that nature. So so those are kind of what I would call traditional learning management systems. Yeah. We've kind of pioneered this concept called modular learning, which really then come, kind of breaks that up into bite-sized pieces. And we do it in two ways because learning happens at a multiple – there's lots of facets to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've tried to attack it within the software that same way. So we have what David referenced earlier was just kind of this top-of-mind awareness training where – um, <clears throat> depending on whatever my responsibilities are, what department I work in, I'm just being fed out kind of bite-sized information each day that reminds me, hey, keep this top of mind while you're doing that your job. And it may be job-specific or it may be just, you know, when we talk about pr- from information security standpoint, that's very important to remember, you know, how to be safe when I'm working in the Internet, for example. So we have this, so we have this kind of this bite-sized top-of-mind type awareness training. But then this modular learning also drives into what we call this task-specific training, which, again, allows me to take bite-sized information and say, hey, on this specific task, these are the specific steps that we want you to do to accomplish that. So imagine that from a compliance and a regulatory standpoint, you know, making sure that I'm complying with an OSHA regulation, a health and safety type of a regulation, something like that. It can give me specific information to know, hey, have I – done the right cleaning procedures here, for example, or have I taken the right precautions to make sure I've protected myself during that cleaning procedure? And again, I can step in there as a brand new person and go, oh, it's time for me to do that. Let me watch and follow the instructions so I can do that exactly. So that's kind of that modular type learning information. And then we can take it down even to be more um, from a standpoint of maybe I'm interacting with customers and we want to kind of maintain this certain level or standard um, in in how we interact with customers. And so I'm brand new to that. And maybe I don't have a lot of experience dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Well, this modular learning, again, allows me from a video-based as well as text-based learning, I can pull this up and watch and see an illustration of this is how you properly interact with a customer. This is how you properly handle a customer complaint. So, again, very modular, very um, very precise in handling certain things, and it's related to the tasks at hand. And so, again, when we talk about building institutional knowledge or retaining it, that's how we've captured that from multiple facets. So, David, I don't know if you have anything you want to add on that. No. So, like, what's been – because you mentioned that in that traditional format of learning, like, um, where, you know, you all got sat down in the classroom or in, in you know, in a conference room or whatever it was, right, maybe 10% was retained. What have you – have you seen – what's kind of the – the increase, what, like what's the success rate with this new format of modular learning that you guys are pioneering? Is it 
pretty significant? Is are we, Do you find that the retention and what's gained and what's held on to is, you know, ho- hopefully it's surpassing 10% by far. But, you know, what's kind of the – what's the success you've seen from it? Yeah, what I would say is that – so there's this kind of progression from what do I need to know because there's a, this – we call it the library of policy or the – I don't know. It's an ocean of policy really. Mm-hmm. And how do you transition from all the stuff I'm supposed to know to – and connect it to how am I actually supposed to do my job today? And so that's, I think, the power of Decipher is moving from what is it to really, well, how, how do I apply it? Mm. And I think that's – so when you're tasked with specific things, first of all, Decipher breaks down, here's all you have to do today. You've got a bazillion things to do in the month. We don't want you to worry about that. Let's just focus on what's due today. Mm. What do I need to focus on today? These things. First of all, I'm going to remind you. Then, then I'm going to be wherever you are. If, I, if I'm on my mobile device, great. If I'm on a tablet or a laptop or a PC, wherever you are, you can just log in and see. And then it's going to say, do these things. And like Rusty was saying, not only do these things, but if you've forgotten how, here's an example of how to do it. And then a lot of that's video. So demonstrate, demonstrations and all kinds of things. And then just t- typical quick trips and quick tricks and reminders. <laughs> <Quick tricks. laughs> I've had too much tricks this morning. Um, anyway, so just kind of that, that that transition from this library of information I'm supposed to keep on mind to here's what you need to focus on today and here's all the reminders for how to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it can be seen if I'm a management person, I can see just kind of get a snapshot of who's doing what, how are they doing it, are they doing it well, where do I need to focus? So instead mm-hmm. of broadly focusing on there's a bazillion things we need to get done today. It's, oh, so-and-so needs help with completing XYZ tasks or so-and-so is out today, so I need to make sure these tasks get reassigned. I see. So so in reality, it, it, it really could be used in almost any field, it sounds like, almost any industry or profession or whatever. If, if it has responsibilities attached to it and – things that need to be accomplished, it can, it sounds like that is something, it almost becomes like the, your mentor in the field in, in any yeah. case. Is that, am I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying I, that right or. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you, you've, you've said that well. And from a SaaS perspective, we would consider ourselves to be what they call a horizontal SaaS, meaning that we can cross over multiple industries and help them. And Decipher is unique in the sense that not only can it go horizontally, but it can also go vertically, mm-hmm. meaning that okay. so so we may come in and help, you know, with uh, a company that says, hey, I, I need help with my specific regulatory compliance. But once it's there, then it has the ability to go vertically and go deep within an organization and touch many facets of there. Because, again, everything that drives business forward is either a program, a policy, procedure, and it's making sure that those are done efficiently and effectively again and again and again. And that's what grows and drives the business forward. And then the adaptability that you talk about, again, is is competitive things change. Um, The system has the ability to then allow me to adapt. Okay, hey, here's how my process and flow happened yesterday. This is how it needs to happen today so that I can remain competitive there. The other thing I would tell you, too, when you talk about, you know, well, what's the percentage of improvement? Um, I think I would tell you that that kind of depends on how effective you are as a business today in implementing the the programs and procedures that you have in place today. Um, certainly, if you, you know, have a well-defined program but have no way to measure that it's being done, 
Um, I will tell you that, you know, we've gone into organizations that have said, hey, you know, it was an example with an OSHA, OSHA program that uh, they said, we, we really feel like we've got a handle on this. And so as we um, digitize it into the Decipher system, what we discovered was there was a whole lot of training that was just missing. And when we presented that back to management, they said, wow, we, we didn't even realize that we weren't training on that. And so the system, just before we even started, identified gaps within their process. And again, then we had to create institutional knowledge um, to, to import into that. And then there's other examples where the system was there, but again, management had no way to really know how well it was being done. And as soon as it was put into the program, you know, they saw it go from, you know, 20, 30 percent compliance all the way up to, um, you know, 80 to 90 percent. And when I say compliance, I'm just meaning, hey, you know, we we had a defined system. We just weren't uh, we weren't performing well. We weren't efficient because it wasn't efficient. And so we decipher made it efficient. And so then it was a, a doable thing. Part of our onboarding is to do s- I wouldn't call them interviews, but we sit down and go through processes pretty specifically. Yeah. And processes aren't like super sexy, but it's kind of the how do you actually do what you do? And when we sit with a business and make them tell us, it's very eye-opening because there's a lot of institutional knowledge of, oh, we just do it this way. But when you break it down, that's what you identify as all these failure points. You see all – so, for example, in one industry, they were using videos from like 1987 – for their safety stuff. They're like, what are you guys doing? This is silly. And so we helped modernize some of that s- stuff, which was good. And then like Rusty is saying, there's, there was another industry that was, they said, we're, we're so good at operations or we've got our, our hierarchy and our presidents reach out to the district managers who reach out to the store supervisors who reach out to the employees and we'll get it done. Yeah. Five to 10%. Per week, compliance, somewhere in that range, maybe. And then when we introduced and they adopted Decipher, it shot way up to like 85 to 90% daily, which was pretty tremendous for them. But they had no way to measure it. They were measuring it using Excel spreadsheets and email, which is – and anyway, they weren't a really digitally mature business. Mm -hmm. And so for them to digitize and come into the 21st century was, was really helpful. Well, and I think that's one of the things I would t- say, too, is that organizations are really good at creating programs. And really good organizations can develop a process related to that, hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is how we're going to get it done. And so in our world, we call that that's the content piece of it. Mm. Um, and so what they lack is the delivery tool for that content down to the people that are expected to accomplish it. And if you don't have a good delivery tool, what you end up doing to the people is that you keep giving them more and more requirements, and they're trying to figure out ways to make all this happen, and you're just going to have slippage. And then, of course, on the on the end of it, management can't really have transparency to see, is it being done well, isn't it? And uh, and so you don't get the effectiveness of the of the outcome. It can be the greatest program in, in the world, the, the most well thought through, the most defined but if you don't have the delivery tool to to allow the employee to get there with it, um, your the business is going to struggle. And what you end up with is just check boxes. And so instead of understanding all of the reasons why we're supposed to do these things, it's just a checkbox. I'll just make sure it's done. And so you get, I can't say the word, but you get half effort 
to do the job or to at least check the box whether or not the thing actually got done. Well, we finished – we completed the form. We checked all the boxes. Nobody's checking. So – Right. No quality of work. And, Correct. And, and, and truthfully, what we find is as we work with business, it isn't that the program is the problem. Again, it's it's the delivery tool to effectively get it into the hands of the employee and give them a way to succeed. And, and, and so that's, that, that's what we've focused on. And it's not that employees don't care. Now, like Rusty said, it can lead to complacency if they just have too much and there's no way to effectively do it. So anyway, so, I mean, we go into the grocery store and you see bad employees. Well, really, that's a reflection of poorly executed processes. Mm. So anyway. And so the tool comes and helps give that yeah. structure. And implementation. Yeah. Well, and I think every employee could say they've had an experience when they've been given an assignment and they don't have the tools or the resources to actually complete that. And again, that can – what's one of the things that Decipher does is it identifies and says, well, if you're going to do this, we have to have this resource in place to do that. And so it helps management see, oh, you're right. We are – <laughs> we skip that. We, we skip that. Or institutional knowledge just thought, well, that's just the way we do it. And that's great if you've been there long enough to know that that's the way you do it. But if you're new, you you don't have that institutional knowledge. Right. And again, kind of and, and that's and that's one of the big challenges for business. Again, we've, you know, we've talked a lot about employee, but from a business standpoint, you know, we have these key employees that come in and they, you know, they make the difference in the success of our business. And they, in essence, become the institu- institutional knowledge. And then as they move on, then the business loses all of that because they haven't found a way to properly capture that and make sure that the next the next people that come along become, you know, become as proficient at it. Totally non-related example, but it, it kind of illustrates some of this. So I worked for a large telecom before. I worked for Verizon for almost 25 years before I started with Decipher. And um, – you want to talk about a, a bad example of management losing institutional knowledge. They started to do downsizing where they had – they said, hey, we need to cut X percent of our staff to save money. And instead of doing things like, well, let's take either the bottom performers or talk to people or just let it happen naturally, they said, we're going to take volunteers. Mm. And in the first round, they cut 10 percent of staff. They lost – I want to say conservatively, it was something like a hundred thousand years worth of experience. Hmm. Wow. Based because I mean this was a hundred thousand plus employee company, but they cut people with twenty five, twenty, fifteen, and if you added up all those years, it was something like a hundred thousand years of institutional knowledge walked out the door, and there was no way to capture that. Right. So it's just. Did they see a, a, a bit of a hit from that? Oh yeah, they're like in the in a death spiral right now, and they've they're trying to hire new people to stop the f- the free fall into. Hmm. And what was the why did they? What was the save money? Save money. So smartphones when they first came out, you need a lot of you needed a lot of support personnel to help people feel comfortable with their new devices and troubleshoot and all this kind of sure. stuff. But smartphones have been out for fifteen years now, and so. Everyone's comfortable. Everybody's with comfortable with it, so you don't need as much support. And there's some; it's a really hyper-competitive environment, and there's other factors that are at play. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to kind of another thought. With 
you guys have obviously been in business or running businesses or in that realm for, I, I don't know, combined how many years it would be, but at least the past, what, 25 years or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. So especially for people starting off, you know, I, I think identifying what you want to get into is, is tricky. And so that's, I guess that's one of my questions is how do you identify what, what you want to pursue and get into and, and work on <laughs> and, and spend your time with or on. And then, you know, how do you feel, how do you, how do you feel like you're succeeding in it? And, and what's just, what's been your guys' experience as you've navigated you know, work and business and, and I guess life around that. A couple thoughts. One is if you don't have passion for it, don't do it mm. because there will come a time when you're not getting paid or that you don't have the right customers that you want or everything's going wrong or blockages or delays or you have supplier problems or your product's not the way you want it or your customers are complaining there will be a mountain of things in the way. And so if you don't have an interest and passion for what you're trying to do as a business, that will significantly hamper you. Mm. So you have to – and I'm not talking about, oh, pursue your dreams and, you know, la, 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 it's <laughs> Disney. You just need to really enjoy what it is you're doing because at some point that passion is the only thing that's going to fuel you through some of these – these peaks and valleys, right? So you'll have times where everything's going great. And then you'll have times where just like nothing's going great. And right. so you have to have an interest and some, some passion to hold on to. Like my wife is a professional voice coach and professional music teacher. And she tells people who are interested in a music career, if there is anything else in the entire world that you would rather do, <laughs> go do that. Right. Because music is unforgiving and it's, it's an uphill battle and it's all internal mental demons and you, your competitor, your greatest competitor is yourself. And if you can't be disciplined at it, you're, you will fail. And so yeah. if that's your, the one thing in life you want to do, awesome. Go for it. She'll help you get there. But if not, do something else. Cause if there's no passion there, you're going to burn out or you're just going to give up or you're going to, f- and you're going to feel bad sure. when it didn't necessarily have to be that way. Right. So just a couple thoughts on that. Life's going to throw tons of reasons to give up and, and, the, and, and why not to do it. So 100% like something you're really going to, that makes sense. And I deal with a lot of youth and my own kids. And another problem they have is, well, I have to find the perfect thing first. Right. And it's like, what's that about? What it's, has that always been so, like, I'm only, you know, 23 years old. So sure. for me, that's a phrase that I've heard a lot is, has that always been a sentiment of life? But I, I, I almost see like my grandparents, for example, you know, they lived in a small town, grew up in a small town, married in that small town, found a small town job, lived a life in that. You know, it was just kind of like, that's just what you did. You went and did these steps and got a job here and you worked at the local, you know, mail office and that was life, right? And now I don't know when it hit or when that kind of thought process of find your perfect, you know, perfect path and the the one thing that your dream is that you're going to chase was that always around? Was that something that's a fairly new concept that we're now trying to break down and figure out or what's that? What's good with that? That's a really good and complicated question. Yeah. I don't know that I have an exact answer to that. 
I just know that the idea that you have to find the perfect thing first before you do it is not true. Was that a thought process when you were a kid getting into it? No. No. When we grew up, it was you – first of all, something that's lost I think on – in schools in general is do your – is to be the best at something. Right. Unless it's in sports, that – area people still try to be the best they can but it's lost in a lot of other areas mm. why don't there's like anyway like so for example in music there's a lot less music in schools and then people in music are just kind of there they just show up right. they're not putting there's no effort from them to be the best or to be really really good at something right. and so you're just going through to get the grade to get done versus i'm trying to excel or become really good at something even something that you're interested in we do seem to applaud a lot of mediocrity, though, in some settings. In others, we don't, right? Sports is a great example of that. It's like if you're mm-hmm. not good enough, it's tough. You just wash out. Yeah. It's pretty unforgiving, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Our, in our growing up, it was you went to school, you got the best grades you could get. So that's gone. So people don't aren't right. really trying to do that. They're just trying to get by. It was get the best grades you can so that you can go to college because college was a gateway to a better job environment. Right. And so that was just kind of an expectation that we grew up with. And it was something that – it wasn't even a question, are you going to go to college? It's like, of course I'm going to go to college. That's that's what people do. Now, the work environment has changed where – you know, 50 years, 75 years ago, people did the same job for 20 or 30 years and then they retired. That doesn't exist very much. That, yeah. That's pretty much – that's very rare. Yeah, I, I don't hear many people in the young adult age talking about retiring, getting a pension or things like that. No. Never talked about, unless you're like in public servant or something like that. But. Right. Well, and there still are areas of vocations that you can do that, electrical and plumbing and HVAC and, and military and things like that. Okay. You can totally career path in those areas. But institutional knowledge – has a shorter lifespan now, has a shorter shelf life. Wow. And so people that would learn a computer language that would last in 25 years, the, the shelf life of a new AI computer language is a year to two years. Right. By the time you learn it, they're already on the next version or next mm. generation of, of something. Life just adapts faster. It does. And so knowledge workers or people out in the knowledge or in the work place mm-hmm. instead of having one career path doing one skill for 25 years they will learn a new skill every five to seven years is now the expectation mm-hmm. and ai helps and hinders because the right. pace of technology changes disrupted a lot of that and so you've got some people especially people a little bit older than us who are still saying well you should go to school because that's the only way to succeed <laughs> and that's not necessarily true. true do you need some education and some schooling sure and in specific areas, it's awesome. Yeah. But this idea of go to college and you'll be fine for the rest of your life, not so much. College can teach you skills. In fact, in fact, you shouldn't go to college unless you're going to learn a specific skill that you can then apply in a job. Otherwise, it's a right. waste of time and right. money. Sorry, I'm really passionate about this. No, no. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you what I think about this. <laughs> there's there's a lot that's that we haven't caught up on and we're not – teaching young people skills that will help them succeed. You get out of high school, you've seen some of those scores that there's whole segments of high schools that are teaching people, graduating kids that don't know how to do math, can't read, can't form basic sentences, and don't think critically. Why is that, though? What, like, did they used to? Yeah, I think so. So what's been... I I don't know what the whys are. I'm more focused on 
how do we get back to that? Mm. You know, how do you go back and teach kids, young adults, especially who didn't come out of high school with any of those critical thinking skills? Okay, how do we teach them critical thinking skills and things well, like that? It's interesting because it's almost like Sorry, there's a there's a uh, an absurd amount of information out of free information available where people could learn sure um, different skills. But what's interesting though too is I think it's one you have to go search it out for yourself, right? So that becomes tricky. And if you've not learned how to as a young adult or in high school or to go study or go take initiative for yourself to find out and research and like discover then that becomes almost, you know, pointless. The other problem I see, I mean, people still can do it, but you almost have to, it's like they have to figure out, oh, what am I going to go go research and then find a passion for it, right? The other thing, too, is I think because information is so available now, it almost is if people don't figure it out like that instantly, you know, within a couple days or a day or three days or a week, it's like, ah, I'm moving on. I couldn't figure it out. That wasn't worth my time. I just, I, yeah. whatever. Attention right? spans are right. and super so, short. So even though it's like there is so much knowledge out there, whereas, you know, 30 years ago there wasn't, um, I don't think necessarily people are, you know, attaching to it. I think almost – and it's easy to get sucked away into other things too. Well, it's – that might be part of the problem. I think you're hitting on something, and that is there's so many choices. How do I possibly make a choice? Because right. there's too much to choose from. Like dating apps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's too many fish. How do I narrow it down? Right. Um, so so that creates that can create anxiety and fear. At the same time, I think in our career paths, you just start. Mm. And it's once you've started doing something, just pick anything that interests you broadly, and then you – that gives you a lot of room to maneuver once you're moving. If you're not moving, it doesn't really matter what you're doing because you're not going anywhere. If you're moving in a direction, then you can decide, oh, I don't really like that. And you can change. That's the other fear that people have is if I change, I failed. True. And it's, okay, well, changing your mind, well, I just Honestly, wasted all that time. I wasted all that money. I wasted all no, you learned. Right. You learned a ton and you learned you didn't like that or you learned it wasn't for you or it didn't fit your personality. Cool. Look what you learned. Go do something else. You'll be better off for having learned that than from sitting at home playing video games wondering, well, what should I do? Right. Yeah. People seem to stall out and just stay in one place because of a fear of failure or change or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? So what's – I'm assuming – in, in everything you guys have done, uh, whether it's – it sounds like you worked for a company for a while and then that kind of shifted gears on you. Um, with your company, I'm sure there's been plenty of times of where changes happened or, you know, it was like, oh, shoot, I'm not sure what the next step is. What 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 helped you guys keep taking those steps forward and not just stalling out and going, ah, I'm just, just give up. I can't figure this out. And continue down, continue moving things forward when it was hard or challenging. I don't know about you. I've given up several times <laughs> <laughs> mentally. You're just like, okay, I'm done. But there's some things that if you have a good routine and you have some good habits that can help pick you up and keep you keep some momentum when you're when you feel emotionally stalled out or mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Um, I think taking breaks is important. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know. 
I hate to pick on millennials, but they they're kind of like the oh my work day was so hard I need a week off. It's like okay, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have to exert some effort before you can take a break. But break taking a break is really really important. So mental break or whatever exercise is great. Um, but then also there's this lost art of planning where in big business with gigantic priorities and multiple competing things, every week – I'm sorry. Every year you would take a full week off with your team to plan out the year. Mm-hmm. And then every month you take one to two days to reassess and replan. And then every week you take an hour to two hours to actually schedule out, plan out, sequence out your week. And then every day you take 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning of the day to orient and just adjust. Interesting. And People don't do that as much. And well, so they're just kind of like in the grind without stopping to look around and say yeah. orient themselves to where they are in respect to their to their goals. Well, that's another – I would say that's another skill that like even when you say that, that's not something that's just purely unique to business. That's something that you could implement as an individual. Absolutely. And I that's not being taught in high school, primary – any of those education – um, to on how to plan or schedule or or goal setting or goal setting right small medium large long you know people come to me sometimes when I was doing in, helping my employees with career planning like well how do I plan my career it's like let's talk about some long goals because if you don't have a three to five year goal mm-hmm. well, it doesn't really matter what you do because you're not trying to get somewhere achieving yeah long term what's your long and so you can do that with life. And some people will really struggle with long-term goals. I totally get that. So so do shorter. Yeah, make it, six it doesn't have to be three to five years. That just helps with, you know, in four years I'm going to graduate and I want a job in this sort of industry. Right, industry, yeah. But if you can't do that, do shorter and shorter and shorter until something clicks and then at least get moving. Sorry, Rusty. Yeah. When you make a good point too, just to add on to that and then I want to hear your kind of viewpoint, Rusty, on this. Is, you know, you point out you would take a, a week off to plan the year, right? It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, we took an hour of our day and we planned the year. It, you know, you took a significant chunk of time to really get it right. And and then, you know, a couple of days for the month, a, you know, a few minutes for the, a couple hours for the week, a few minutes for the day. And so giving yourself the proper time to plan and succeed, I think is important because not all the ideas, not everything is going to come all at once, right? It doesn't just, you know, you're not going to sit down and everything that you need to do or all the goals you want. It, it takes time to think about it and ponder and, and, and put it together. And I think, once again, it comes back to that um, culture of impatience where we're used to things just happening quickly and figuring it out quickly and getting answers quickly. And so when things don't come as quickly, we tend to move on and forget about it. And uh, anyway, so just to add to that, but... Rusty, yeah, I want to hear about your opinions on this. Well, I think I would. There's a couple things I would tell you. If if you don't know what you want your career path to be, mm-hmm. or you haven't found that ideal, or don't know what that ideal is, I think I would tell you that you know just look at what opportunities are right there in front of you. What doors are open or could be opened, mm. and don't be afraid to walk down. I think sometimes we go, well, that's not the you know. I never thought I would do that. I, I that's walk down that path and and explore that and and learn all that you can you talked about all the learning that comes from that um that only helps elevate you to the next step to the next step and you may discover that 
as you go through that, you go, you know, I never thought I would really be interested in this, but here I am. And I actually, I've, I found my passion by just going through doors that were open to me at that time. And, and so I think that can prevent people a lot of times as they, they step back and they go, well, I, I can't go down that path because, right. and whatever the because is. And the reality is, is that if the door is open, take advantage of those opportunities. The other thing I think that is a lost art that I think that young people really need to do that I know I took full advantage of that and this whole idea of finding out the right mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, the best learning I ever got in, um, in my education, in my career path, in, in life, mm-hmm. came, through, came through mentors that uh, saw something in me and were more than happy to share their life experience. I could ask them questions. And there seems to be this thought sometimes that we're afraid to say, you know what, I don't know. Explain that to me. Saying I don't know is, an, is a really an okay thing because there are people with life experience that can come in and fill that gap and, and really put you on a path that is really rewarding. And, and they can and they can help open doors for you as well. And so I would tell you that I think that's a lifelong thing that everybody needs to have mentors in their life that they can go to and, and they need to be trusted people that uh, mm. you can really, you know, you can really ask those questions of. So oh, go ahead. Are you done? What, one other thought related is one of my kids comes up and he always asks me, I need to make more money. How do I make more money? I said, well, do things that other people don't want to do. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I said, do you know why people aren't doctors? Because they don't want to go to school for 12 years and right. give up sleep, sleepless nights for six of those years to become a doctor. That's why they make so much money. You want to know why people don't go to law school? Because it's hard. Yeah. And so there's, if when you go, people ask that, how do I make more money? Well, do something, either figure out a better way to do something that's already being done or do something that people don't want to do. You know who makes a lot of money? Sewage line pipers. Those people make a lot of money because people don't want to do it. They don't want right. to trench and be around that. And when you think about it, it's like, ooh, I wouldn't do that. Exactly why you're not making the kind of money, money that you want to make. Right. But mentors, I think, is an even better idea. But it just it just occurs to me that if you're doing everything, something easy that everybody else is doing, great. Nobody's making money doing that. Right. Because everybody's doing it. And it's so the even the biggest YouTubers are the ones that have been in there for 10 years every day grinding it mm-hmm. to get there. It doesn't happen in a day, a week, or a month. You, oh. We see their end success. Right. We don't see the 10-year journey that it took to get them. Right. And it's like... Everybody wants to be part of a SaaS company that just sold for multi-billion dollars in an IPO. And, but does anybody want to be there when it was three or five or six people and you were wearing multiple hats and doing 60-hour, 70, 80-hour work weeks trying to get everything done and stressed? Right. No, people don't want to do that. Exactly. Yeah, it really is the, uh, you know, if you want to succeed, can you do the hard stuff longer than everybody else? Right. And if you can, typically you'll come out on top. But because a lot of people just give up because even if they start in on it, you know, they a lot of people go, oh, same for me, I'm done with that. Um, so that's a good point. Yeah, I love that. The other thing I would tell you for your listeners that are wondering, do I want to get into business for myself? <laughs> um, do I want to start something from scratch and I've got a great idea and I want to move forward with it? I would tell you, going back to that thing, is that that's your passion, that's what you want to do, go for it. Well, one thing I would tell you is be prepared to live outside your comfort zone. 
and to reinvent yourself sometimes on a daily basis. Because the reason I say that is that you're going to be putting yourself in a spot where you're going to have to wear every hat that is worn in business. You're, you're the accountant, you're the salesman, you're, the, you're everything. And you're not going to be fantastic at all those. Some things you're going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Other things you're going to go, that's not my area of genius. But you're going to have to know it and understand it and do it, um, particularly when you're starting out. And so just be okay to live there. It's and, 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 you know, don't look at that and go, man, I failed so many ways today. It's like, no, you didn't fail. You know what? You're, you were on a fast track growth pace, and that's okay. And when something happens and you go, oh, man, that's an obstacle, or, boy, how am I going to get around that? It's an opportunity to reinvent and go, how do I take that? You know, COVID was a really good example. When we launched our product, um, we had just launched. We had some great um, sales in the closing process, and then here came this big elephant called COVID and sat down right on our road. And and business, rightfully so, our, our customers said, hey, we got to figure out how we're going to just keep the doors open tomorrow. And so they, they weren't focused on what we were doing here. Mm-hmm. And so there were we could have looked at that and said, well, I guess timing wasn't our friend, right? right. But we didn't. We said, you know what? There's an opportunity in that problem. And that's the thing I think I would tell you in business. That's how you have to look at it is every problem is an opportunity. So how do I take that problem and create an opportunity where I'm helping people? And that's what we did in education. You know, we, I went and I, I knew some folks that uh, were, were uh, superintendents in schools and I, and I picked up the phone and I just said, Hey, what's, what's going on up there? Oh my goodness. Let me tell you what we're dealing with. I said, I think I can help you with that. Really? And so we sat down and talked about it and absolutely, you know, Decipher was the ideal thing to solve that problem for him. So, but again, that started as a problem, not only for us, but for other people. And so we just had to step back and go, okay, how do I take that and make it an opportunity for me? So when you're in business, you got to be creative and you got to live outside your comfort zone. You got to be willing to do the things that you talk about not wanting, you know, do the job nobody wants to do. That's a business owner. Mm. Um, my uh, my father-in-law used to say that he could always tell um, the guy that was out sweeping the front of the store at 5 a.m. in the morning, that was the owner of the store. <laughs> He's the only guy that'd be out there doing that. And and that is it. And there are long hours. Um, you're not, you're not, you're not getting up and, you know, done, start at eight, done at five. Um, you're going to be having long, long hours um, where sometimes you think that's all you do as, as, as you, as you, as you push it forward. But again, if it's what you're passionate about, go for it. Um, make the most of it and and don't give up. Mm. That's, that's key. Yeah, that's great. So two, two words that he said that are, just to reiterate, pivoting. So when you, there's a problem, don't let it stop you. Pivot. Find a way around it. Yeah. Find a different solution. Find an alternative. And then perspective. Step back. Some problems that we've been, it's like, there's no way we're going to get over this. And then you go to, you sleep on it, you're you're wringing your hands, you're worried about it, and then the solution comes to you the next day. And you're like, oh, we could just do this. And so step, sometimes giving yourself that time to really reflect and think and get perspective really helps, and then pivoting absolutely critical to business. And, and, and often simple is the solution. <laughs> you, 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 if you complicate it, you've just done that. You've complicated it. <laughs> That's right. Just look for the simple answer there because you know, COVID was a really good example. It's like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, for us, I mean, COVID was the pandemic, and I'm, I'm not going to minimize it in any sense from that standpoint. 
but it was an OSHA health and safety compliance issue. <laughs> <laughs> That's our bread what, and butter. What was, what was Decipher built for? Helping us comply. Yeah, and yeah. so we just stepped back and went, oh, well, in many ways, COVID became our friend because we helped business solve a problem so they could focus on their core business. Sure. So, so like, again, it's... Business is an interesting place, but you gotta be you gotta be comfortable living outside your comfort zone. Yeah, no, I think those are I think those are great points, and, I, and it really is. It, it, I think you make points that go deeper than just business, right? They're 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 principles that can go into just daily life, right? You're gonna have obstacles that come up. You're gonna have things that get thrown in your path, and it really is. Can you take that obstacle and make it an opportunity? Can you can you thrive past the challenges and uh, and continue moving forward? Sure. Well, it is. It is absolutely that because, you know, there's nothing we all like more than just to be comfortable. comfortable yeah. And when life tries to push us outside of that, we kind of want to fight back. But that's where we grow. Um, you know, I, I heard it said once, you know, that the comfort zone is where dreams go to die. And uh, and that's really true because we're not progressing if we're if we're if we're not feeling a little uncomfortable in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's a good part. And absolutely in, in life in general, um, you got to get outside that comfort zone so you can get the real growth and, and rise to that next level that you want. Hmm. I just wanted to circle back to the, what's the right thing for me to choose. Yeah. Sometimes I think there's a problem with that question because there is no, there's not necessarily a right thing. Sure. And so don't get stuck on the, well, what if I choose the wrong thing? There is no wrong thing. No choice is the wrong thing. No choice is the wrong thing. You're right. And <laughs> no very, choice is a choice. There's, if very, you don't few, make, there's very few choices that you'll make that you can't come back from or you can't change or make a better solution out sure. of. And sure. I think people get hung up on that going, well, I make this decision, then I can't go back here. And I can't and realize like, well, the truth is you make that decision. Sure, it may not be the same as when you started last time, but you can deviate and go here. You can make it back to that point i was making where you've already learned yeah. keep learning make a different decision change moving you know i should probably else. be wiser to make even better choices down once you you know if it wasn't the right choice then well in business another thing we say is fail fast because mm. if you're going to try something and it's going to fail wouldn't you rather know right away or within a few weeks rather than two years down the line yeah fail fast so try it and if it works great and if it doesn't change move yeah. do something else well, the other thing I was going to say too is that um, this is when you're when you're working in business. You know, sometimes we look at something and go, oh, "I've got this great opportunity to go and do X," and then we think ourselves through, "Well, you know, I'll have to do all these things in order to accomplish that." I see that a lot in the in the sales process where it's like, "Well, I got this customer, and I think this is how we could solve their problem," and then we spend a lot of time on, you know, "Well, how would we deliver that if we had to deliver that?" It's all theoretical, right? And I've told people in sales, I've said, listen, why don't you go out, talk to the customer, get the deal. And then once we know the details, we'll fill in, we'll fill in the how. Because we know we can deliver, but we're just playing, we're playing a game in a hypothetical yeah, here. We almost talk just, ourselves out of it. Right, right. We yeah. get so worried about, well, what about, what about? And it's like, well, you know what? Let's go get the detail, and yeah. then we'll go. Well, this is what we have to do. Oh, well, we can do that. Yeah. In- instead of going, it's like, focus on what you do know. Is the what about if you don't get it? Well, you're not going to get right. anything. And, so. and, I, and I think that's a principle for life. Right. Sometimes we sit there and we go, well, I don't know. I don't know what's around that corner. I don't, you know, just go get go 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 for it. Whatever you're going to do, just go, and and then you'll discover that, oh, I can do that. More often than not. Mm. 
You know, one of the sort of related, one of the the seven most deadly words in business are we've always done it that way. <laughs> so if you want to know where businesses struggle, go see something that they've always done that way and attack it, change it, make it your own. You know, that's how Uber is now the largest taxi service in the country. Right. They don't own a single car. Mm-hmm. They upended the taxi industry. And there's, there's dozens of examples like that. Um, anyway, so that's, that's a really one. But the, and something that's sort of related is, um, and I have this on my LinkedIn profile, which is don't, don't keep, don't stay invested in a bad decision just because you've put a lot of time into it. Mm. There's a time and there's a, there's a point at which you do need to throw in the towel or change directions or say that failed or say this we're done with this let's go move on right that's another kind of principle on you know i just thought i'd share that one that's a hard one because there's there's another piece of business which is just grit sometimes you just have to push through and it's going to take time and it's going to be painful um and so there's kind of anyway i don't know what i'm trying to say other than there's a point at which some things need to end so don't keep investing in it just because you've spent a lot of time investing in it. It's like sure. we've if we had kept going down this roll road in COVID, we would have completely failed. But we said, oh well, just because we've spent time going down this road, we have to change direction. So let's do that. Well, I think Jeff Bezos says it really well. He says, he, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's something along the lines of you know, be persistent on the vision or, or stubborn on the vision and flexible on the details. Right. So you know. Be determined on whatever you're really trying to go for and pushing through the hardships and making it happen. And there may be some things that you originally came up with that need to stick around for that, some structures. But then there's a lot of things in the middle that could be done a better way or someone new comes in and says this is the new way of doing it and it works way more efficiently. And if you just shut those down because you're so comfortable with what you do and the way you have to do it and the way you you know, you know built and put time into, you're probably going to fail in a lot of ways. So I think that's a great point. So, um, we've been going for about an hour. Um, I think we've touched on a lot of great points. I'm super glad we had you guys on. Um, I think across the board, these are principles and points that go deeper than just business. And I think we've covered that really well. So, um, I guess before we, we, you know, before we close out, I'd like to know, just kind of give us some details about Decipher, you know, where we can find you guys. Um, how how people can find you, and then maybe what is even the process about if someone does want to get involved with Decipher or utilize the software tool, how do they do that? What can they expect, and uh, and what can they kind of walk away with? So Decipher dot com, D S Y F E R Decipher. How what's our tagline? Let's we'll, decipher your. Let's business. decipher your business. Mm-hmm. We can decipher your life too. So we found that our our <laughs> platform and our program. Um, has so many really rich applications not just to business but so we're working with like a a musician who's a business customer of ours who's putting a complete teaching platform a complete teaching program into our platform Mm. so that you can reach people electronically all the way across the country instead of being limited to people in person um so you can do that so uh yeah let's decipher your business we can decipher your life there's a lot of so decipher.com, D-S-Y-F-E-R. Perfect. 
So that's how you get in touch with us. I would tell you any organization that's looking to improve the efficiency of how they deliver their training, how they want to deliver their processes, and how they want to manage that, um, then then that's an opportunity for us to have a conversation. Four simple steps to get involved with Decipher. Um, the first one is you just reach out to us. You can get to us through the website. Um, and that's the easiest way. We have a chat and email feature there. You can request a demo, schedule it with one of our people there. And one of our one of our Decipher experts is just going to sit down and, and help understand what it is you want to accomplish. Again, in the realm of business, you know, you can say this is my most important thing that I can accomplish right now. And I have a 500 things below that, but we're going to work through each of those and Decipher can help from that standpoint. But mm. you visit with a Decipher expert and we're going to say, great, this is a great starting point. We're going to take that information. We're going to digitize it into the system or import it in. And then your organization has the opportunity to review it and begin an implementation process. Mm. Um, it's simple. It's easy. It's very affordable to do it. And uh, I will tell you that we have a lot of success stories in helping organizations do that. Um, even down to, you know, changing a culture within an organization. You know, we've had companies talk to us and go, you know, I, I, we like what we're doing here. Most important thing we can do, quite honestly, is we got we want to implement a new culture into it. And so, you know, talking about, you know, the ability to do that on a personal basis from a business standpoint, you, you can even do that as well. So, again, lots of lots of application, lots of opportunities there. But it just starts with reaching out, scheduling a 15-minute conversation, and and we'll help we'll help decipher your business and see if it's right for you. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I've learned a lot, and I hope everyone listening has learned a lot about business and decipher in general. Or in, in you know that was kind of the focus, but just how to how to navigate life and get into business that they want to if that's their passion. So we'll have to do this again. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank you.